Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there, welcome to the show, which is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. There is 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Dan Moylan with you, hello. With me is Michael. Hello. And Moscow as well. Daniel Chapman. Hello. And we've decided to try a little experiment this week because we've been running long on the main podcast to break off propaganda and do it as its own little standalone show because it's getting a lot of love at the minute. So why not? And Chelsea fans were just about angry enough to justify it this week. So we'll see how it goes. Indeed, it was Chelsea at the weekend and a nil all, but an entertaining nil all. What did we get right? What did we get wrong on the match ball? What should we talk about? We open this question up to our TSB Plus subscribers now after every game and they've submitted their thoughts on this through our feedback form. And here is what they reckon. A mixed bag. Anthony, absolutely buzzing by the looks of it. Wonders, was this this year's Brentford game? You know, the kind of turning point for last season that saw us promoted. It says, great performance. Could catapult us back to winning ways. Do you agree? I think there's something in that. Tyler Roberts was building it up as... Um so we needed a game like this beforehand and then the performance from everybody kind of bore that out, didn't it? And it'd be good if we could now win every game until the end of the season. It might make you two easier to be around. Our form hasn't been bad though, has it? I mean, going into this one, we've lost games, but I don't feel we've been absolutely terrible in any of them. It felt like in the Championship, admittedly with a lot more pressure on us, we had been playing badly for a few weeks ahead of that Brentford game, whereas this is... It always felt kind of fine, like we'd probably get a result from somewhere. I didn't expect it to be this game, I have to say. I thought we'd lose this one, but I always thought we'd start winning again, probably, at some stage. We didn't have to drag Luke Ayling out onto the pitch in the dark, looking hollow-eyed and gaunt and uh, upset. to say, don't know what's going wrong, don't know how we fix it. Although the financial stakes are that much higher than the Championship, because we couldn't afford to drop out of the Premier League, it doesn't feel like the stakes overall are as high this season, probably because we're just about as near as damn it safe. We are. It's it's a fairly comfortable period. I know there's still that lingering panic, but I mean, as a man who looks on the negative, we are 250 to 1 to be relegated. That is something that is not going to happen. And the only thing that's left then is it's the prize money for where you finish in the league, because the higher up you finish, the the more money you get. But what's money? Money's not important. It's, what, it's what's inside that counts, isn't it? Money could be a new left back, though. Think about that. <laughs> that is true. And, and at three, it's £3.2 million per place last year, which actually dropped to 2.7 million with the you know the TV money rebate. So there's a hell of a lot of money at stake just for a few points here and there. So it probably is worth trying to do as well as we can. And there's also Marcelo Bielsa needs to uh, up his game, doesn't he? Because he was saying in his press conference last week when he had the celebrations for 1,000 days and people were saying, well, you must be very proud of what you've achieved here. He says, well, I've, I've basically done nothing. Anybody could have got that team out of the championship and... Finishing mid-table in the Premier League is not anything to be proud of, so I may as well just forget the whole thing. 
Talking about negativity, Jim's tapped into your feelings here, Michael. If Chelsea had a capable number nine playing, we would have lost 4-1, not to be too negative. <laughs> I mean, they did bring on a striker who they paid like 50 million quid for in, in the summer. So I mean, yeah, but there speaks a Leeds fan. He should be all right. They've got enough players to have won that game of Chelsea. They, I know it's the... But, uh, they, but they weren't good enough. I know it's the and Chelsea we were... method to just buy more people until eventually you win, but, you know. Well, that was what the analysis in the post-match said, wasn't it? Chelsea maybe just tried doing something other than buying everybody all the time. Well, it's like, I think Moscow mentioned it, that they were saying Chelsea should buy Erling Haaland, which is is the easiest thing that any, because any club in the world could buy Erling Haaland and they would score more goals and be better. It's just the laziest possible thing to say. You know, they've got loads of strikers, just use one of them. There was a lot of this in the um, the match reports, looking at it from the Chelsea point of view about Oh, they've they've tried using Havertz in this role, and you know Werner's been here, and it's it's almost like they've paid a hundred million pounds a piece for all these players. But if they put them a centimeter out of place on the pitch, well, he can't do that. You can't expect him to adapt to that different. And then you look at Stuart Dallas, one and a half million pounds of uh, former scaffolder, and he can basically you can put him absolutely anywhere, and he'll do absolutely anything. But oh no, you see, you can only really you you have to use. Uh, I'm trying to remember the names of any of their fucking players. Pulisic. You can only use Pulisic on the the left wing if he's on the touchline, but if you move him into a central position, then his whole, his whole game falls apart. Same thing. It's just, it feels like they're so fragile and yet so expensive. They've got a team full of porcelain vases that if they move them slightly off their pedestal, they'll just fall to pieces and smash on the floor. Which is good. KT says, don't think you gave Melier enough props for his performance. Massively kept us in the game. Interesting stat that popped up during the Sky coverage regarding, you know, he's got the second highest number of saves of the season, but then we've also conceded, you know, second highest number of goals in the division, which means he's basically getting packed every game. And that was the other side of their Chelsea's poverty up front. And there was Johnny Cooper, who always comes up with these, had the, I think it was him. It may have been Andy West Day. I think it was Johnny. They're both very good at this. <laughs> that... There are only, I think, three goalkeepers have made that many saves in a match and kept a clean sheet, and it was above eight. And two of them were Ilan Melier. I can't remember who the other one was. We ask a lot of him, don't we? We do, and I I keep looking at the the goalkeeping stats charts because there was one I saw, uh, I can't remember in what context I was reading something, and I had a list of them all, which, oh, it's about Fulham's goalkeeper is apparently really overperforming and um, has stopped more goals than any other goalkeeper in the Premier League. And I thought, oh, well, Melier will probably be really high on that. And he's really low. And apparently, even though he does stop eight shots in a game, he's still conceding more goals than anybody else because we're just, we're letting teams just absolutely <laughs> run through and shoot at him and just pepper his goal with, with all sorts of chances. And he's doing very well. One thing that Ben picked up on the feedback form, actually, was that Pascal Strike playing is putting less pressure on him because... He plays forward a lot more than Liam Cooper, who does like to go back to him, which is something I had noticed myself. So, Liam Cooper out? Yes. Well, there are a, a number of people who've um, picked up on Strauch's good performances. Gareth Davis, Nick Hammond, and yeah, Ben, who you mentioned there, Ben L. Um, all saying he looks dead calm in defence. And who needs Josco Guardiol and to drop 20 million quid on a kid who's too scared to play in the Premier League when we've got one already on our books who isn't too scared to play in the Premier League? It's a little bit too scared to play for Benny Lux. It is kind of weird how our defence is so much better with him in there, considering a year ago he was nothing, essentially. He was someone we occasionally brought on for 10 minutes and he cost us a win against Cardiff, was the, what he was mainly known for at this point last year, whereas now he's the best centre-back at the club, which is a bit odd. 
But yeah, the statistics on that as well, He we do concede far fewer goals with him on the pitch, don't we? And his presence at set pieces seems to help us. That's what was uh, the stats showed about Berardi last season. Do you think the two best centre-backs at the club, the, the combination we need is Stroik and Berardi? <laughs> That's our Premier League pairing and then we'll all our defensive problems with Melier behind will be absolutely fixed. Just returning to um, players in positions and uh, talking about our potential centre-forward dilemma, Declan Gray says we should talk about our ability to grind out a nil-nil and in doing so make it an enjoyable spectacle, which it was, very pleased with that. But um, more pertinently, what do we do if Paddy misses out on Friday night through injury? But Mike Parker also on this theme, asking what is Rodrigo's best position and, and what future does he have at Leeds, given that Roberts seems to be pushed ahead of him further forward. Maybe, maybe that was down to fitness as well. You know, you can't have a, a half-fit man leading the line, can you? Whereas you can probably accommodate one sat just behind him. Well, that's what came down to... Um Rodrigo's substitution at the end it was only after we'd finished recording the match ball that I noticed on the the timings that he came on oh, I can't remember exactly but it was um, he basically he played exactly 45 minutes even taking into account the one minute of injury time at the end of the first half so Bielsa obviously had this very fixed idea that Rodrigo is fit to play one half of football and he said as much in his post-match press conference that he um in terms of like time on the ball and his recovery from injury, he's not uh, capable of doing more than that. And he shouldn't have been capable of giving as much output as he gave during his time on the pitch. But that was, it's so funny. Every other manager would just go, well, there's 10 minutes left. We'll just give him a run to the end. But it's like Bielsa has, must have set an alarm or something that when it gets to 45 minutes, right, you, Rodrigo, off. Don't care when you came on. And if he'd come on maybe with half an hour to go, I don't know if he would have had to set up a little 15 minute practice match to get him to his allotted time. As to where he played, I mean, if Bamford is injured, I guess we'll we'll find some things out over the next um, couple of games, depending on how long podcast Patrick is out for, because um, Rodrigo had better get himself fit, unless obviously there's going to be a clamour for just stick Joffy and Greenwood in. And if uh, Eddie Gray, Eddie Gray was at the game on Saturday, so maybe, maybe. He's, maybe he's preparing to... To take charge of the, the rest of the season. If we, well, if we're going to play the kids, there's only one other thing that we can do with it. It's a bizarre thing that, again, to look back a year, if someone had said, you're going to have Spain's number nine, or, or not anymore, as an option for you, but you're going to be worried about Patrick Bamford being out injured. Strange times. But he's been great as Bamford. And we did, I think we did miss him when he went off. He's, uh, his running and stuff was is notably different to Rodrigo's when he's up there. So Maybe it does explain why he comes off the pitch panting at the end. It's not uh, him doing star jumps. I always thought it was fair enough. It's just Moscow hates him. Um, Rory and Claire both pick out the um, the sartorial choices of Thomas Tuchel on the on the touchline. Did you notice the uh, the costume change? It was like going to a Blooming Spice Girls concert or something, wasn't it? Half time, changing his jacket because Rory, I think, had his nose part of joint by Scott Parker with his blardigan, and then he had his uh, bloody puff sort of puffer jacket blardigan on, didn't he? Or fifty layers on. It looked sort of like a straight jacket. The yeah. one they had on there, or like a, I saw it referred to as like a fire resistant coat. I've seen the thing when people are training police dogs and people have to wear like protective yeah, yeah. jackets. It kind of like one of them as well. I, I miss them. I mean, for the younger listener, won't remember that they used to do the police dog displays at half time on the pitch at Ellen Road way back when. And you would see a fellow with one of those on, on his arm, <laughs> offering it to the dog. The glamour. Oh, I hope the dog goes for the other arm. <laughs> you just don't get dogs uh, savaging people, do you, on, on Sky TV anymore? Not the done thing. But yeah, a half time switch into a powder blue uh, puffer jacket for the second half. Is it because we're too close to King's Road, speculates Rory? And um, Claire suggests it was a look at me move. He wanted some attention. It, it passed me by anyway, so if you, if you wanted just to look, I didn't. 
it is quite a strange thing to do. If you're one of his players and you, you know, everybody's very concentrated on what's happening in the second half. Meanwhile, your manager is faffing around in this clothes rail that he's brought with him, trying to decide what he should wear for the second half. It's like, no, no wonder they couldn't score. Yeah, it's like, boss, do you want me to, to play off the striker in the second half? Should I move a little bit in off the wings? Well, I don't know, but what do you think about this jacket with these trousers? It, I mean, I've brought a different belt that'll tie it all together. I did notice George Graham doing this when we've been watching back the the old games. He's in the stand at Arsenal. He's on the phone to Stuart Houston and he's in like a, a beige Flashers Mac type thing. <laughs> Not that George Graham did that. But then he appears on the bench in the second half and he's obviously gone, no, I was in formal dress for being up in the stand because I was with the directors. Now I'll come to the bench. I'm going to put a proper bench jacket on. Is so that a thing, is it? It was a done thing then. Wow. It's quite nice to see him on the landline, just down to down to the dugout. Thanks to Jim O for cause quite a long uh, bit of feedback that he's given, but I probably only need to read the first three words, which are, Dan is right. Yeah, I don't think he means you. No, he does. He definitely does. No, he's, he's not about the nagging doubt that I've expressed that, you know, we can't seem to quite just shake off the scars of the past and we can't really enjoy this because we're not quite secure yet, but we're fine. Like you said, we're not going to go down. Look at the other results this weekend. It's fine. Fulham lost, Wolves lost, they're still below us. Most of their team are out injured now. It's fine. We get an automatic three points against Sheffield United, don't we? So <sighs> oh. there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> and Black Taxi Tim agrees on a similar theme. He says, that's what we got right. We should be trying to have fun now, which is your, I think that's your theme, isn't it, Moscow? Um, and not just looking forward to the summer signings. I think we can do both, can't we? Can we try and do both? That's greedy. Enjoy one thing at a time and don't wish your lives away. And see how good, I mean, a lot of it was uh, all revolving around the future of Tyler Roberts. And we kind of have that situation now where it's quite good if we are just staying up, watch a player, try and play for his future and see if he can put in the performances. That's interesting. It's something that should be entertaining to to watch. And it would be nice if other people stopped screwing up his goals by being offside, because that's two games in a row now that somebody else has been offside and he's put the ball in. He is due a goal more than anyone else now. The, the one that came off the bar as well. It was He's so close. That even got the uh, the sympathy goal treatment on LUTV. They put out the and all the angles video of that hitting the crossbar. <laughs> just, just to rub it in his face. All, all the angles are something you didn't manage to do. <laughs> I think it was possibly more that we have new sponsors for that particular feature and they needed a video whether we, so it could be all the angles of Alioski face-planting because we haven't scored. With Skrill! Right then, Jacob S. Also hey, they're says, not paying us. That's true, yeah. Um, Jacob, uh, we use a different payment provider, don't we? So Yes. Yeah. With, yeah. Well, I mean, they're not paying us either, no, so no, we don't so need to promote them. Mentioning any of you. Um, Jacob S. said, uh, Dan's rights point out that we are using both Rafinha and Bamford's only on corners. Great. But it wasn't new for the Chelsea game. Oh. Uh, yeah, been, we knew that. <clears throat> we just didn't mention it. We've before. been doing it since before the new year. You can see it happening in the Burnley game and in the game since. Yeah, Great. We, we were trying to give you your, your little moment of uh, tactical insights, but uh, yeah, um, Rowan has come in. No, not Rowan. Um, who was it? And now you've just deleted them. That person has come in and uh, and blown J- your cover. Jacob. Jacob. Good job, Jacob. Do that again. We had obviously all noticed that, but uh, we thought we'd give you your little moment of uh, tactical insight. Jacob has... Uh, Unfortunately, taking the scales from your eyes. The swine. Um, Rowan has some feedback for you, Moscow. I don't even remember this being spoken about, but uh, it says nitpick of the week. Moscow mentioned the former Stoke player, uh, Chopu Moting. He no longer steals a living for PSG. Instead, he upgraded to the cheating European champions by Munich. That guy must have the best agent in the world. 
He also asks how you got the nickname Moscow. That was just you being a teenage smartass, wasn't it? Moscovite, Moscow yeah, White. just signing up on a web forum far too long ago. And that does, I didn't know that he'd moved to Bayern Munich, but that does speak to the overall point, which was these so-called elite teams are stocked up with garbage once you go beneath the surface. And, you know, would you take Chupo Moting or Pat Bamford? Which one do you think is going to be the most consistent goal scorer and yet one of them probably earns absolute fortunes playing for Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich whereas the other one just has to make do with a moderate fortune playing for Leeds United Looking at Chupa Moting's record it is a, a bizarre trajectory I mean five goals in 30 for Stoke gets him a move to PSG where he gets three in 22 then three in nine that gets him a move to Bayern Munich where he has one in 15 Well there's something about backup players at that kind of level and the one of the things about Chelsea at the weekend is Tammy, Tammy Abraham didn't play and his nose is supposedly out of joint because they need a number nine and he can't get on the pitch and Olivier Giroud is really only there because he's in his late 30s so he can kind of get away with not playing every week but if you are good enough to start for Paris Saint-Germain or Bayern Munich you don't want to be a reserve at Paris Saint-Germain or Bayern Munich and it's sometimes I think that was kind of the I can't remember the exact point I was making but it does fit into our squad building where people say, well, you know, if Bamford's out, the only player we've got to play up front is Tyler Roberts. But equally, if Lewandowski is out, the only player Bayern Munich have got is Chupo Moting. So your reserve player, the better your first team gets, the worse your reserve players look by comparison. And I think it's just it's something that happens naturally because you can't have a reserve team as strong as the strongest uh, first team. Chupo Moting is Cal Schutt. Kyle Schultz was good. Uh, we also and there are only the the rare expe- exceptions. I think Man City probably do have reserves that could walk a, a championship if they wanted to, and Chelsea just have players coming out like an over-sofa. Um, but it's rare to be able to do that. Most normal people have a couple of cheaper motings hanging around. And cheers to Jack for uh, bringing that one up as well. And we'll leave um, this section on Craig Robertson's point. It says we should be more outraged that Urente looks too much like Bamford because it's confusing. One of them needs to get a different haircut or something. Which one? And what haircut? That's the question. Bamford skinhead. I want him to come back a hard man. Mohican? Could do, yeah. Like a big spiky one. None of these kind of modern Neymar type. Give him, give him a big 1976 Kings Road punk Mohican. He's <laughs> probably got the length there. It's very bushy at the moment, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, all right. I'm for that. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Let's move on to propaganda now then and find out what they have been saying about Leeds United. Um, what's the overall vibe then with, with Chelsea? Uh, spoilt babies. There was something... And us saying we need to enjoy this because Chelsea fans don't enjoy what they've got. They're fourth in the league, I think. They're taking the lead into the second leg of a Champions League tie. They've signed loads of good players over summer. They already had loads of good players. It seems very, very unlikely they're going to drop out of the top half of the Premier League ever. And they hate it. They all absolutely hate it. This is the last minute of their watch along. Bear in mind this was nil-nil. They're still in the game, aren't they? This is... They could be hoping to break and score, but this is this is how they were treating the final minute of this game on the the Blues fans TV watch along. Oh, this is bad. Oh. This this can't be taken in any way other than bad because this Leeds team defensively are poor, and we haven't tested them the slightest. No, we've made them look 
outstanding defensively today. Callum, what are you doing, bro? What on earth oh, was that, my G? Jesus. Every fucking pass is over here at the minute. At least I have nothing to say. Oh, God. How does one even film a video reacting to this? Are people even going to click in? Rascal, out, fam. Wow. Dude, good luck to you, my G. I'm going to do like a seven-hour watch or seven-hour food, you know, something like that. Oh, I hope not, but here we are. Blow the whistle, ref. It's Come been on. blown. Oh, it's been blown already. Uh, oh, yeah, I've got I've got the thing up. I can't go watch ref. Oh, you just fast-forwarded it, didn't you? Yeah, I could be asked. <laughs> not even surprised. Yeah, it's happened to me too. Nil-nil. Ah, oh, oh, I woke up for this. I can't be asked. The L's I continue to take this week are gargantuan. I can't be asked. But yeah, at least we didn't lose. Whatever. Like, there's not really much to talk about going forward. What an entitled set of twats. <laughs> there's nothing to talk about. There's only drawn. Christ. And the disrespect to our performance and the level of our performance. I woke up for this. It was like half past 12 kickoff. I, I, I mean, he could be. I guess he could be overseas. I'm not, I'm not doing enough research on him, but if he's in the UK and he's complaining about having to wake up for a half past 12 kickoff, that's a bit That's a bit rich, isn't it? Leeds fans have been in the pub for five hours by that point. <laughs> They've not lost, have they, since Tuchel took over? No. No, they've been absolutely fantastic. They're, they are all whinging that the, the goals have dried up, but the problem before was that they were conceding too many, so they want the moon on a stick don't they? Chelsea fans, the moon on a stick and they want the moon to be made of money and Chelsea wins. It's worth saying that all of the people in these clips are under 30, I would say. So the, these are all modern Chelsea fans. I dare say if we were speaking to someone who was around to see Ken Bates parking the cows behind the goal at Stamford Bridge, they might be a little bit more sympathetic to, to how terrible Chelsea are in these, these days. Yeah, but what's the point in embracing sort of rounded, sensible views <laughs> when we can have idiots on? Oh, there were, I did come across a few people on this who were being sensible. I don't, I don't That's know. not entertaining, is <laughs> it? We don't hear that, do we? So instead we hear Eunice talks football. And again, similar vibe. He seems to think Chelsea have just dropped into the bottom three here and are going to do well to stay up. We've put ourselves in a bit of a sticky situation now. We cannot be dropping any more points. That is it. That is it. And now to set us up going into Wednesday, it's not exactly the perfect circumstance that we want to be going into an, a game against Atletico Madrid. I mean, oh my goodness. The one game where we need to perform. We need to perform defensively and defensively. It needs to be perfect in order to knock Atletico out. We've put ourselves in this little bit of a situation. Now, mentally, we're going to have to move on from this and start over on the training ground and just look forward to Wednesday. But in terms of what this means going forward, we've put ourselves in a little bit of a corner here. Our backs are against the wall. There is still time. There is still a chance to rectify the situation. But we're now looking over our shoulder when we didn't need to. We didn't want to. So no more screwing about now. No more messing about. No more dropping points. We have to start winning games consistently now. No option. He's a very determined and expressive young man, isn't he? And possibly overstating the, the impact of a draw. I mean, Chelsea are fourth and they're three points ahead of West Ham who have a game in hand. And how many games are there left this season? Nine for Chelsea. Yeah. Right, and he wants... We cannot drop any more points. So that's nine wins out of nine for the rest of the season. There's entitlement and there's optimism and there's assuming... And is he including... I mean, he said dropped points, but does he mean the Champions League as well? They need to win that as well. I mean, I can understand, yes, 
they should beat. Uh, they've got Sheffield United next, and everybody's going to beat them now. But Manchester City, Arsenal, Leicester, Aston Villa, they've got as the running West Ham local derby. I would say it's all right if they dropped a point here or there. It's entirely in their own hands, and they've got a far, far stronger squad than West Ham, who are their main competition. I will say this as well, that um, Chelsea can't win the Champions League because Liverpool need to win that because they're that exceptional and so special, such a special club, that they must win it because otherwise it's going to be a trophyless season and possibly no European football next season. That would be a shame. At least um, Eunice was nice about Tyler Roberts and, to be fair, praised him in a way that Leeds fans really do. This did make me wonder if he's a Chelsea fan, he could start demanding that Chelsea drop like £100 on Tyler Roberts based on this performance. You think overall, if I'm going to say man of the match, despite Roberts getting man of the match for the game, which for me he deserved, he was absolutely brilliant today for Leeds United, done all sorts, fantastic skill, fantastic cutting in, shooting, being a big threat, good physical presence, good speed to his game, he was electric, so fair play to Roberts for getting man of the match, but for us, Edouard Mendy. So he's giving it to their goalkeeper, he was the only one who came out of that game with any credit, but Tyler Roberts, good to hear someone saying he's good anyway. Talk to me about Craigo 28. Craig's the most angry of, of the lot here, and he does sound a bit like James Corden. I mean, if you thought Eunice and the first lot were, were angry, wait till you hear Craig. We're fucking shit. Honestly, we're shit. I, I just don't get what... I know we're trying to keep clean sheets, and we're trying to play possession-based football, but against a team that presses very well, which has been well-known about for a long, long time, any Marta, uh, any Bielsa side is... is it's pressed well, ever, ever. They've always pressed well. Leeds are one of the best he's had doing it. Now they're in the Premier League. Proves. It proves. They came, well, we went to them today and we won 3-1 in the first game and didn't deserve to win it 3-1. Honestly, probably deserved to win it, but not 3-1. That result flattered us. This result today just shut, sums up perfectly how crap we are. We have to fucking pick up three points today. And we didn't. And that comes from partially Tuchel, partially. He needs to pick a better fucking lineup. I know we've got Atletico Madrid in midweek. I can understand and appreciate that. But he needs to just pick a, ga- pick a team that goes out and win the game. Just pick a team that goes out and wins a game. They've conceded about four goals in two months. They haven't lost a game under Thomas Tuchel and he's calling them fucking shit. It's actually, I think it's two goals since he turned up. And one of them was an own goal. So They're terrible. They're terrible. Just pick a better team. And if you can't find a better team in that squad, then when's the transfer window open? And do we trust Thomas Tuchel with that transfer window? Maybe we need to get another manager in because that's a vital window window for Chelsea, isn't it? If this squad doesn't get some quality in paper thin squad before the start of next season, then how's any manager going to deal with this paucity of options? Well, the second clip of him is him continuing to be angry but it is more or less him slagging off all of the new players they've signed so good i think i'll enjoy this so essentially it's about 300 million quid they're thrown in a dustbin here so it's a this is an edited together uh rant from him but um a highlights reel it's a highlights it's a super cut but it's uh, it's very satisfying to listen to all the same chillwell was fucking dog shit he was so bad chillwell who does fuck all does nothing zsu was shite as well Kante is not good enough going forward. He's not going to break out a team down with one killer pass from the final third. He's not going to do it. Jorginho is not going to do it as well. So then you think, well, Chilwell get forward and at least whip a ball around the outside. He don't do it. He's just scared. 
And look, don't get me wrong. I like Chilwell, and I think he's going to be one of the ones for the future. But for right now, if we're looking to win football games and turn our season around, because it has been a bit shit so far, play your best fucking team. But instead, we kept with Ben Chilwell, who did fucking nothing all game. All game. And it, we, it was just... Let me just show Ziyech outside, because the only thing he can do is cut in on his fucking right, on his left foot from the right-hand side. It, we become so easy to play against, and it was the same thing I've been saying for ages. I like the squad that we've got. It's good. It's not fucking perfect. Not at all. Regardless of who the manager is, you've still got certain players that are not pulling their fucking weight. And the three ones I can pick out today are Pulisic, who was the better of the three, but fucking Chilwell and Ziyech, oh my fucking God. They were useless. They were shit. Now, I don't like saying these things. I want to try and be fucking positive. But in this game, they were dog. They were dog. Goodness. He, he likes Chilwell. Remember, he did say that in the middle. <laughs> I mean, I like Chilwell probably more than he does. I didn't think Chilwell was... Was he that bad? And Kante. Kante's never bad. Like, no. Kante's one of the best midfielders I've ever seen. <laughs> but he can't He can't thread a through ball properly, apparently. Exactly to Craig's liking. Jesus. <laughs> Which, you know, there are... Is it? Do they look to Kante to be threading through balls? Is he picked out Eduardo Mendy. You don't see him scoring many goals, do you? What's he doing? Not pulling his fucking weight. Saving them. Any goalkeeper can save them. When's he going to start scoring? Well, that's pretty much it for the the headline propaganda from Chelsea towards Leeds. Uh, what about Steve Nicol? Though We do have a clip here. It's not necessarily about Leeds, but... No, he was talking about the Leeds game, but he sort of didn't say anything. He just moaned a little bit in a standard Steve Nicol way. But then I did come across this, which was answering uh, questions that had been sent in, and someone was asking him <laughs> if he would take Kane, Olivendowski, and, I mean, Dan, you've worked in radio, you know how dead air is a crime and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it frightens me. Listen to how much Steve Nicol leaves. You can only have Harry Kane or Lewandowski in your team. Who do you choose and why, Stevie? Who and Lewandowski? And uh, Harry Kane. Oof. Have you heard of him? Oh my goodness, that's a toughie. Is it? Mm. Well, it is, yeah. Because, because I don't, I don't think Lewandowski could do for Spurs what Harry Kane's doing. But, but Lewandowski's mm. absolutely fantastic. How do you, how do you choose? Oh God, Steve. he's still there now. He's still deciding. <laughs> That's a tough one. He goes, is it? You stare in the background. Just, Steve, kind of being broadcast is this. You need to, even if you need to think about it, just talk, fill the space. Just being saved by that little <laughs> dancy bed underneath. Yeah, I guess they've put that there to stop because TV stations and radios have got stations have got things to jump in, haven't they, in case there is dead air. So it's yeah. presumably there because they know Steve Nichol occasionally doesn't speak for 30 seconds he's, at a time. He's gone again, lads. Well, there you go. That's this week's propaganda all sorted for you and um, we'll do the main show as a separate bit that'll follow on your feed not too long after this one so thanks for listening to this we'll see you in a bit The Square Ball Podcast 